Okay, Be'ez Hashem, Parshas Nosai. Parshas Nosai. At least for you guys in Chutzlaretz. Over here in Etzisor, we're going to be listening to a different one. But uh, we're going to be going with the uh, Chutzlaretz Parshas Be'ez Hashem. And um, basically like this. It's a Gavaldi story that we have to know like this. There is a tremendous story in this week's parasha, uh, as the always is. We're in Perek Zayin, Posek Gimel. And we know that this week we have the uh, Nesim, we have the uh, wonderful Korbonis that the Nesim brought. And the Torah tells us like this, Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. What's the Pshat? Asks my Rosh Hashiva of Scheinberg Zatzel. What's the Pshat? Why there seems to be one wagon brought by two Nesim. We know, and we'll discuss this in a moment, that there were Korbanas over here that repeat itself again and again and again from all the Nesim. How come, when it comes to the Agola, when it comes to the wagon, there's one for two people? What's going on? So, the Maisev, it's the Svarno's Kasha. If you look at the Svarno, the Svarno explains, and he just writes this in just a few words, which I think is a tremendous insight. Says the Svarno, and I quote, Lois achvo beinehem, ashebo'yia ru'uyim shetishro shchine beinehem. Unbelievable, you say, Rabbi Say. Says the Svarno over here, and Rav Scheinberg Zatzal explained it like this. What was the Koyach to bring the Shechina to Klal Yisrael? You know what the Koyach was? It wasn't about the Madregas that they were on. It wasn't about the Kavonas that they were thinking, the Shahs, the Korbanas that they brought. Rather, what brought the Shechina to Klal Yisrael was the, was the friendship, was the love that they had for each other and they shared the Agola. That was the representation of the Agola. That they shared the Agola. Incredible. Incredible idea. And well, you know what? We find this even more. And perhaps a slightly different kivun, but the same idea. Also right over here. Also right over here. There's a Moedika Ramban. The Ramban, it's Kedai to look at this Ramban, Rabbi Sai. It is a hair-raising Ramban. Very, very, very rare to find a Ramban that is so incredibly powerful. Like this Ramban. There are many, but this one is absolutely mind-boggling, hair-raising. The Ramban wants to know a question. The question the Ramban has, we quoted just a moment ago. And that is as follows. You open up Parshas Nasai. So for those of you that are going to be in shul this week, it's going to be a long Kriya Satoira. It's the longest Parsha. And as the Chadusha Rim points out, it's the longest Medrash with the longest uh, Zoyev as well. Right? So we spoke about it last week, Kabbalah Satoira. Straight after Kabbalah Satoira, Chadusha Rim famously says, Rabbi Kain quotes it, the Chadusha Rim says, Straight after Kabbalah Satoira, the longest parasha, the longest medrash, the longest Zoya. Because after Kabbalah Satoira, it's not just about the Kabbalah, it's about actually doing the Torah. So here you've got the longest parasha. Nosa is generally the first one after Kabbalah Satoira. It's generally the parasha after, after Shavuos. So, the Rabban wants to know, why is it so long? Such a long parasha. Like, oh, get a move on already. What happens by the parasha? And it's absolutely incredible. Because you go through the parasha, and all of a sudden, for those of you that are awake, or if you're reading it yourself, or whatever it is, it's a repetition. 
Again and again and again, the same psukim. What is going on over here? Where do we find such a repetition? Pasig after pasig after pasig of the same thing. Frank the Rambani Kasha. What's the Kasha? The Kasha is Poshet. I understand all the Nisim brought the same carbon. Beautiful. So why did the Torah not write a very simple thing? Write the carbon by the first Nasi and then say the Chulo. You know, and they all brought the same, and all the Nisim brought the same one. This is the Ramban's Kasha Aboisai in this week's Parsha. This is what the Ramban wants to know. And it goes further because we know that the Torah doesn't waste words. Every word, every letter, every tag on the letter is considered to be something that we can learn a lesson from. What's the lesson over here? Where did the Torah to go? Again and again, the same thing. What's the pshat? Rabbi said the Ramban is hair-raising. Unbelievable. Vihine. It was all brought the same day. She all of Yachad. The Torah did not write, this is the Korban of Nachshon ben Aminodov, and so everyone brought the same. Why? The next rabbi says six words. Ki These are Nesim rabbi, so these were G'dayle Olam. But they might have felt a little bit upset. Why was Nachshon's Korban mentioned? It was meant Nachshon brought the Korban, and everyone else mentioned Agav. Because of this, says the Ramban, the Torah was willing to go Pasuk after Pasuk after Pasuk. Nowhere do we find a repetition like this. For one reason. Not to embarrass or upset or mitzar somebody else. That's how far it goes. And that's incredible. What an incredible, it's an extension of the Svorna that we just mentioned before in Pasuk Zion. That the love and the friendship they have was incredible. And that caused the Shechina, but it goes further than that. It's about how much effort did the Torah put in that we don't mitzar somebody else. And then we have to ask ourselves if that's the lesson of the parasha. And if that's what the Torah was willing to go through, to chas v'sholem, not, not waste, but go through words and words of repetition, only that there should not be a feeling of, ooh, why him and not me? They would have understood, right? Because the Torah is written in a way that, you know, is very, very bikitza. But no. Not to embarrass somebody else, not to upset somebody else, to have a feeling for somebody else. That's what the Ramban says is the lesson from this week's parasha. You know, the Gemara tells us in Shabbos, that the guy comes to Shammai and says, teach me the whole Torah on one leg. Shail, whose foot? Was it his foot? Shammai's foot? Good kasha. Shammai says, get out of here. It's not for you. There's no shortcuts in life. Came to Hillel. And Hillel said, no, sure, no problem. No problem, I'll teach you the whole Torah. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> okay, let's go. So sure. First lesson and last lesson. That's it. What do you mean that's it? 
Well, you guys are sitting in basement just learning all day in yeshiva for 14 years. And that, that's, all, that's all they're learning. What, what are they learning? What's the point? He said, because everything is just like after that. Everything is just like, you know, extension of that. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll mention this hopefully by the, by the marriage here of what to look for in a wife. So I'll just give you a little bit of a hint. So to have a portion at the There is only one thing you look for in a wife. Midas. Because if she has that, she has everything. Once you have that, everything comes afterwards. Everything flows. It's poshat. Says hello to this yid, to this goy. Once you have a hafta that is the key to kol hatoyrikula. Rabbi said, that's what the Ramban is telling us over here. The key to kol hatoyrikula is an incredible idea. And in fact, it's interesting because we have two types of mitzvahs. We've got benodom l'chaveri and we've got benodom l'mokri. So I would understand Hill coming along to say that don't do anything to your friend that you yourself don't like. That's the good key for to ben Adam l'chaveri. How do we know it's the key to ben Adam l'mokim? Well, why does the mitzvah of a lulav and esrog or eating matzah or megillah or anything got to do with that? So Moshe Aaron Stern's Zatzal explains with the Gemara in Soita Daflam and Sayanam and Aleph, Kol Yisroim Arevim Zelazeh. All of Klal are responsible for each other. We're one unit. We might physically be separate guf, a separate body. But at the end of the day, we're all one unit. Kol Yisrael, or even Zelazer. So if I don't have a Lulav and Esrog and you don't have one, you've got to make sure he has one. That's what it's all about. That is Ben Odom Lamokim. Ben Odom Lachabeira is Ben Odom Lamokim. It's all the same. Because Kol Yisrael, or even Zelazer. Hillel is saying, if you want the key to Torah, here we are. A few days after Kabbalah Satoya, a few days after Shavuos, where we stood up and we either we heard or we said the Aseris Adibris, and we were macabre the Torah all over afresh, trying to stay up, struggling not to close the eyelids. Why? To macabre the Torah. It says, hit on the key, the key. Not just the key, by the way. You know, some keys only open some doors. But then you have something called a master key. A master key opens all the doors. The master key to all of Torah. Says Hillel, like you. You would never do anything to yourself to cause yourself tsar. Don't do it to somebody else. That's exactly what's going on. There's an unbelievable Orach HaShulchan. And Orachayim Semen Tzadi Oisyutes. He brings down, what if you're the last guy to leave shul for Mariv? Right? Um, and you know, uh, the shul is out of the city. And if you're the last guy there to leave, you're pretty much the last guy to leave. There's one last guy. If you leave, you're going to leave him by himself. Right? And then he won't be able to concentrate on his davening. says, Yorcha Shulchan, there's an obligation on the second last person not to leave until that last person finishes his davening. Why? says, Yorcha Shulchan, just like you have a chiv to do gemilas chasodim with your money, you have a chiv to do gemilas chasodim with your guf as well. Ein lucha gemilas chasodim yoisim izeh that he won't be scared can you imagine it's going to cause you a delay I have a business meeting I'm busy whatever but no because you've got to think about somebody else's feelings and that's an incredible thing I want to tell you two incredible things and with this will end there was a delegation that arrived to the home at Chazanish number 5 in Bnei Barak, right the home of the God of Lador Rebaran Leib Steinman Zatzal there was a young man in the neighbourhood who had passed away suddenly, and people in the neighborhood were very, very worried. What, what, what can we do to macabre on ourselves? What can we do to improve on ourselves? We need to do something to try and give ourselves chizuk, to try and give ourselves chusim for this tremendous tragedy. Revaran Labes, that's all, listened as they shared different ideas, different kabbalas, this one on Tznias, 
this one on cell phones in shul, this one talking during davening, this one on being a couple Shabbos early, all, all beautiful Hagdol, all beautiful Kabbalists. And then Rabbi Aaron Leib spoke. And he said, I've got a different idea, very different to what you, most of you have suggested. Perhaps you should be macabre the following. Every resident in the neighborhood should accept a sign, and he should sign a letter, that when the neighbor upstairs wants to extend his apartment, even though it makes noise, even though it's annoying, even though it bothers me and it might affect your view, be macabre and sign that you'll always agree. Be macabre to understand that sometimes a mother needs more space for her family and it can affect her emotional health. That's an undertaking that will be a chusos. An incredible insight from a goddle. To think about someone else's feelings, to think about where someone else is coming from, is the most incredible thing. And let me end with one last incredible, incredible story, which is a true story that just took place in America. I received an email from somebody telling me the story. And the story goes like this, absolutely mind-boggling. A small, simple story, but yet so far-reaching. An old almona in Lakewood was quarantined in Lakewood without any of her married children and grandchildren. Like many others, she anticipated experience at Pesach Seder totally alone. Her back neighbors, however, lived in very close proximity and suggested that she leave her window of her house open so she can sort of participate in their Seder from the comfort of her own dining room. After Yontif, this woman's grandchildren called her and said, No, Bobby, how was the Seder? It must have been difficult for you. It was very alone. How had it go? She was so excited to tell them. She said the Seder was absolutely beautiful. She said, It's amazing. Our neighbors have exactly the same nusach and songs as we always sing. It was so warming to feel the same songs, the same nusach. I almost felt like I was home again with all of you guys together at the table. Yes, I was alone in my house, but when I heard the same nigunim, the same songs, the same nusach, everything I'm used to, I fell right to home. It was beautiful. Little did this woman know that two weeks before Yontif, the neighbors had called her children and asked for a tape that they wanted them to record of their Pesach, Nusach, and Nigunim, so they could prepare to make a Seder that would make this old woman, sitting by herself at Seder night, feel at home. If that doesn't show you to think about somebody else's feelings, to think about where someone else has come from, to, to be sensitive to where someone else is feeling, then nothing does. My boy said the Ramban in this week's parasha is tremendous. The Ramban is telling us that the Torah went to such lengths of writing posseg after posseg after posseg. Why? For one reason. We don't need to learn anything from it. There's only one thing to learn. Be careful of someone else's feelings. That is the lesson. That is the tremendous limud that we have in this week's parasha. And Be'ez HaShem, let's Rabbi Isai take upon this tremendous limud of being careful how we treat other people. We're now coming into, you know, more relationships with people. We're back together with neighbors. We're back together, some of us in shul, back in schools, back in koilos, back at work. Many situations are coming up. We're now back with people. Let's use this opportunity to refresh Ben Odom the master key of Torah, and Be'ez Hashem not to cause sorrow to anybody else. Okay.